0: good morning this is sister lisa coming to you from the eel the edwin elder library and today we're going to be doing day 18 which is chapter 18 out of meeting god in holy places by f Gard smith i am with you and will rescue you jeremiah 1:8. the broad wall rescue as walls go, it is not a very pretentious wall. Instead of uniform blocks of dressed granite or other fine stone, this wall is made of nothing more sophisticated than carefully stacked rocks. Some huge, some tiny, some holding pride of position, some used as mere filler to hold the larger rocks in place. Compared with the far more elaborate walls in Jerusalem, it definitely has an humble look about it. Even so, simply has to be one of my favorites. The wall I'm talking about. The broad wall has none of the pedigree of the other walls because it was built centuries earlier, in 701 BC, but then that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. Compared to the age of the United States or civilization in Western Europe or the Roman Empire or almost anything else except perhaps the pyramids, it is very, very old, and if for no other reason, very impressive. Yet the wall's age is only one of the reasons I like it so much. Another reason is that it's one of those ancient structures specifically mentioned in the Old Testament. To see it, all you have to do is enter the Jewish quarter and find your way to Plaget Haggatel Street. All of a sudden, there it is, right before your very eyes. Almost 150 feet of tangible, live-action biblical history. Never mind that the wall is not its original height. It is plenty high enough to let you know that, in its original state, it would have been one giant wall. What you get to see for the mere price of half a roll of film is an enormous wall, some 23 feet wide, a broad wall, indeed. The date reveals not only the wall's age, but also its builder, King Hezekiah of Judah, the same Hezekiah of Hezekiah's Tunnel. The Tunnel and the Broad Wall were both constructed at the same time as part of Hezekiah's defenses against King Sennacherib's. Assyrian army. The text says that Hezekiah worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the original wall and building towers on it. Then he built another wall outside that one which came to be known even in biblical times as the broad wall. If that were all we knew about the broad wall, I would still be excited about seeing it in person. It's ancient. It's biblical. But what really captures my imagination about the wall is being able to catch a true-to-life glimpse of one of my favorite biblical stories. Oddly though, it's not the story of Hezekiah, the great king of Judah, an architect of monumental building schemes. Rather, it's the story of a relatively unknown Jew in exile named Nehemiah. Some three centuries removed, In the course of history, it's Nehemiah's name, not Hezekiah's, that has become almost synonymous with the walls of Jerusalem, including the Broad Wall. I see Nehemiah as one of those heroes we would all like to be. The ordinary guy on the street who gathers his courage in a near-impossible situation and comes flying to the rescue. Not Superman, but mild-mannered Clark Kent. Not Goliath, but the shepherd boy David. In other words, not some modern-day macho figure, but you and me getting the job done. The story of Nehemiah begins with the fall of Judah and the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC. Hezekiah's formidable walls could not withstand either the power of Babylon's army under Nebuchadnezzar nor the judgment of God nor Judah's disobedience. So the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and the city was sacked. It was this defeat, you recall, that led to the great exile of the Jews from Israel to Babylonia, which was later succeeded in power by the Persians. King Cyrus was more sympathetic to the Jews than his Babylonian predecessors and allowed a contingent of the Jews to return and rebuild the temple under the leadership of Zerubbabel and the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. After a number of false starts, the temple was finally completed in 516 B.C., exactly 70 years after it was destroyed, precisely as God had said. After the passing of some 60 years, a second contingent of the Jews under the leadership of Ezra was given permission by... Exercises to return to Israel and revitalize the law, which the Persian king greatly admired. But restoration did not come quickly, either politically or spiritually. For another 14 years, Israel was beset by enemies from without and a lack of enthusiasm, enthusiasm from within. Ever felt like that yourself? Just kind of spiritually laxacadaisical, on hold with God? lukewarm. It is at this point that the story of Nehemiah picks up. Nehemiah, a Jew in exile, was King Xerxes' cupbearer in the Persian capital of Susa. Being a cupbearer was not a typical slave duty. It was not unknown in those times for a king to be assassinated by poisoning. The cupbearer, therefore, was more like a secret service agent who guarded the life of the king. His was a trusted position. Ne- nevertheless, Nehemiah was not of royal lineage. He had no political power and had no special standing in Persian social circles. Apart from his highly responsible position, Nehemiah was an ordinary Jew. But there was this about him that was extraordinary. Nehemiah's great faith in the God of the Hebrews had won the respect of King Xerxes, a respect which had led to a unique friendship between the king and his Jewish servant. When one day the king noticed that Nehemiah was looking sad and troubled, he inquired about the source of his sadness. It seems that Nehemiah had heard reports that his fellow Jews who had returned to Jerusalem were not faring well at all. There was trouble and disgrace, and the walls of Jerusalem were in shambles. So what happened? The text tells us, matter-of-factly, that the king granted Nehemiah's request to go to Jerusalem and oversee the rebuilding of the walls. Excuse me? Nehemiah was going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Pardon my asking, but what special expertise did Nehemiah have to oversee such a task? Who did he, a mere cupbearer, think he was? Hezekiah. It defies all logic to think that a cupbearer, Nehemiah, could pull off one of the biggest wall building jobs in history but if you are familiar with the story you know the equally incredible ending the short version is that nehemiah goes to jerusalem surveys the wall by night when no one is looking gets and sets into place a plan of action and within a blistering 52 days oversees the complete repair of the walls for the record that's all of jerusalem's walls including the broad wall how did he do it he took a lesson from hezekiah's wall itself Whether large or small, whether impressive or ordinary, each rock had a role to play. Some rocks provided weight and some provided the strength, but some were merely there to provide unheralded support. Filler rocks, we might call them, just common ordinary filler. What Nehemiah did was to rally the whole community to work together, each in his place, each doing what alone would have been impossible. And here's the part I love. None of the workers had to have prior experience in wall building to get a job. Willingness was the only requirement so we have this fascinating roll call of workers Eli- Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests rolled up their priestly sleeves and rebuilt the sheep gate and the wall adjacent to it all the way to the tower of the hundred the men of Jericho lent a hand and repaired the adjoining section from which point zachar whoever he was, built next to them. And how about these two Azel, a goldsmith and Hananiah, a perfume maker, each repaired a section of the walls. Surely not your most Surely not your most likely stonemasons. In fact, it was these two men who, along with the others, restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. There's that wall again. Do you begin to feel the excitement I felt standing above that very same wall? And what about this timely reference? Shalom, 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 S-H-A-L-L-U-M, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters names unknown faces unseen over and over the text tells us workers repaired a section of the wall which was in front of his own house or opposite his living quarters or beside his house just ordinary people repairing the walls nearest them if some of the workers had come a long way to lend a hand most were just taking care of whatever needed their attention on the front doorstep and together they made a job of it even fighting off their enemies while they worked nothing extraordinary about them no special expertise If you pass them on the street, you might be tempted to think of them as filler. But they weren't just filler, they were heroes. Ordinary people, touched by a great need, coming to the rescue. And within less than two months, the walls of Jerusalem had been repaired. Major walls, giant walls, broad walls. Do you see why I like the broad wall? It takes tiny little filler rocks and makes them important. It takes ordinary people and makes them extraordinary. It takes people like you and me with common feelings of fear and insecurity and worthlessness and makes them heroes. From simple cupbearers God builds mighty walls. But of course the real story is not about walls at all. You and I are likely to be called you and I are not likely to be called upon to repair a wall of stone to fend off a military enemy. The really real story is told by the prophet Isaiah in a passage dealing with, of all things, fasting. What is true fasting? asks Isaiah, and the answer is surprising. It's not. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? Says God, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe him and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Just about the time we begin to wonder what possible connection there might be between repairing walls and, sermon, and a sermon on fasting, we hear these call-to-action words from Isaiah. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings, and now all make sense. To do justice is to repair walls. To restore broken lives is to be heroic. The story, then, is not at all about rocks and walls, but about people. People in need of rescue and people who come to the rescue. Ordinary people seeing extraordinary needs and doing whatever it takes to meet those needs. Want to be a hero? You don't have to wear a cape. Just walk out your front door and look at the human rubble laying everywhere at your feet. The poor, the hungry, the dispossessed, the ignored, the abused. Lift one stone upon another, whether big or small, and before you know it, some grateful people whose lives have been turned around, will do you great honor, and then you too shall be called repairer of broken walls. Together with Nehemiah, you too shall be a wall builder. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings like buried that grace can restore, touched by a loving hand, awakened by kindness, cords that were broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Fanny Crosby You know, that's so true. If we all could just do our part to fill the cart or build the broad wall, point people, point people to heaven, you know, straight and narrow is the way that leads to life eternal, but broad, broad is the way to destruction. But however, we can build a broad wall with a bright light. We can be like a broad lighthouse, shining Jesus to the world, pointing others to the cross. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.